In Mark's lesson for today, Jesus and his disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee after having spent the day on the other side where he had freed a man of unclean spirits which came out of him and entered a herd of about 2,000 swine which ran into the sea and drowned. Then Jesus and his disciples came ashore. No doubt word preceded him back because a great crowd was waiting for him when he arrived. He had performed wonders and had taught them with parables when he was there before. They remember that when the crowds would press in on him, many would touch him and would be healed. Now he's back. This Jesus who not only proclaims the kingdom of God, but makes it real as he confronts oppressive spirits and sets people free. A woman touches Jesus' garment and Jesus touches a little girl's hand. Both are made whole by his touch and their lives are changed forever. We see over and over again in these stories about Jesus and his ministry, when you're touched by Jesus, a whole new world opens up to you and life takes on a whole new meaning. Read with me from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, beginning with verse 21, and let the Spirit of Jesus touch you. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? 
the child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Friends, this is a powerful word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This text and its stories of people touching and being touched by Jesus is an invitation to us, to all people, for faith in God's saving presence. A presence that saves us from what we are to what we are capable of being, what we are meant to be. In Mark's gospel, Jesus comes healing, casting out oppressive evil and forgiving sin. He offers hope to the sufferer and relief to the burdened. Sickness, death, oppression, and despair exist in opposition to the life and light Jesus brings into the world and into our lives. The circumstances of suffering are mysterious. Why do we suffer? Why are some healed and others not? How do some bear pain with such grace? It's part of being human to search out this mystery, to ask these questions. The prophet Jeremiah's question echoes our own. Is there no bomb in Gilead? The African-American spiritual answers the question with soothing grace. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. Our lesson from Mark embodies the prophet's question and resonates with the hymn's answer. Don't ever feel discouraged, for Jesus is your friend. Mark is clear. There is a relationship between faith and healing. Yet we know by experience that not all who pray are cured. That doesn't mean that their faith is insufficient or inadequate. Healing doesn't always include curing. The root of the word healing in the New Testament Greek is sozo, S-O-Z-O. is also the root for the words salvation and wholeness. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew shalom. It's an expansive concept that includes a peaceful spirit and meaningful relationships. This salvation, this, this healing, this, this wholeness includes daily provision. It includes adequate shelter. It includes fulfilling work. It includes release from oppression. So health is more than the absence of illness. It's fullness of life. So our Greek 101 word is sozo, wholeness in the broadest, most inclusive sense of the word. I've heard people who have recovered from cancer say, 
I don't regret getting cancer. It gave me a whole new life. I don't see things the way I used to. I now experience life to its fullest. I've heard people with terminal illnesses say the same thing, even though they know that their death isn't far away in the future. I've heard people in such circumstances thank God for their illnesses because they otherwise would never have experienced the fullness of life. Such people may not always be cured, but they're healed. They're made whole. They're at peace with themselves, with life, and with God. For others, people I know to be of deep faith, their suffering is so great and their situations are so oppressive that their healing takes place only in their death when they are in mercy graciously received by our loving God into the promised life everlasting. Someone once said, healings are a mysterious foretaste of all that is to come. It's the wholeness and flourishing that we experience in the fullness of the basileia, the kingdom of heaven that Brett talked to us about last Sunday in his sermon. We are awakened to this wholeness by faith, trust in the ultimate goodness of God that has been real to us by Jesus. Faith is a means of grace, even when a cure isn't forthcoming. Faith approaches Jesus in hope and expectation. It's confident of a blessing. It reaches out to touch Jesus and seeks Jesus to come and heal. Out of our difficulties is the potential for us to become either bitter or better. Friends, faith makes the difference. As in the stories in our lesson, God uses touch as a means of grace. Through the act of, of touching, faith is demonstrated and healing power is released. The church has continued to honor the power of touching through the laying on of hands in prayers of healing and in sending forth persons in ministry and mission. In these healing stories, twice Jesus crosses barriers of society and tradition to touch and give life to people. On his way to Jairus' house, an unnamed woman touches Jesus' garment. She's a woman who's considered unclean because she's had continuous bleeding for 12 years. She has spent all she had going from doctor to doctor, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. She's a woman who's isolated from any sense of community because she's considered ritually unclean and she's without any hope. But she hasn't given up. She has heard of Jesus and believes that God is doing great things through this man. Here is her hope, her assurance of things unseen as faith is defined in the book of Hebrews. The crowd is pressing in on Jesus and people are bumping into him, but someone has touched him and he's felt power go forth from him. So he stops and he, and he asks, who's touched me? This outcast woman is afraid to admit it, but, but she does. She confesses that she's the one, the unclean woman whose touch 
is defiling. Knowing that she has already been healed, Jesus restores her to her family and community with these inclusive words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now she's a part of his family of followers as well. Before Jesus even finishes speaking, some people come from Jairus' house to announce that his daughter's dead. No need for Jesus to come any further. Jesus tells Jairus to fear not, but believe. They continue to the house and find everyone weeping and upset. Jesus reassures them that the girl is only sleeping. Of course, he's speaking metaphorically, but they take him literally, and the people laugh at Jesus. Put off by their cynicism, Jesus has everyone leave but the father and mother and his innermost circle of disciples. Again, touching a corpse renders one ritually unclean. But Jesus reaches across the boundaries of fear and caution and even death and restores the girl to life. She's alive and is restored to her family and her community. As the body of Christ, us, the body of Christ, we are to be his presence in the world. Even though we have our own needs for healing, we are commissioned to be healers in his name. Catholic priest Henry Nouwen so powerfully and eloquently makes that case in his book, The Wounded Healer. We are a community of the walking wounded. Ironically, the mystery of our faith is that power is released in weakness. We know God's healing and restoring power in our lives, which makes us a unique source of healing and restoration for others. We understand that our wholeness and well-being arise from contact with Jesus. The invitation of this text is to touch Jesus and to be touched by Jesus. It's an invitation to, to bring our own bleeding bodies and spirits to the one who can offer us true healing, who can help us move back into true community when community ties have been broken. It's an invitation for us to follow Jesus' example, to look at those who suffer in our own midst, the ones who have been shunned and turned away because of our fears of losing control, because of our rules and codes that protect us from change, to listen to their stories, to reach out and touch them and lift them to their feet, to call them daughter, son, sister, brother, friend, and above all, to welcome them home as a child of God. Not only is there an invitation, there is a challenge. A challenge to take a long, hard look at our rules that include some but excludes others. Jesus challenges us to reconsider those rules and codes that define who is holy and who is unclean those we will touch and will allow to touch us and those who we want. Fairly recent history, as a look out, at least fairly recent history for some of us, reminds us of some of those rules and central 
Europe in the 1930s and 40s. Signs hung on the doors of banks, shops, and other public places that said, Juden verboten, no Jews allowed. I recall from my childhood signs on restrooms and, and restaurants that said, no coloreds, and water fountains for whites and coloreds. In my lifetime, there are more subtle, invisible signs, even today, that say only able-bodied people welcome here. No poor people, no immigrants, no people of color, no one who might cause us to change. I'm sure you can identify others who aren't welcome, even in church, maybe especially in church. Jesus tears down those signs because he wants to touch everyone, not on our terms, but on his. And his terms are to heal their exclusion by touching them and including them in the community that's based on God's love. And to heal us, to heal us of our ignorance and our fears. By his act of mercy and healing, Jesus demonstrates what is the will of God for all living things. A community of people gathered together in all their wonder, in all their uniqueness, in all their differences, in all their commonalities. Being touched by Jesus makes a, makes a difference. It makes a difference in our lives. It makes a difference in who we are. It's the touch that makes you whole, that makes us all whole together. That's God will, God's will for all of creation. The prophet Jeremiah said to the king who was building his palace on the backs of the poor, to know God is to do justice. If one is not acting for justice, defending and, and taking the side of, of those who are abused and marginalized, one does not know the God of Jesus, at least in not, not in all of his glory. In Germany, much of the church kept silent when Jews were being killed. In the South, and, and really all across the country, most of the church remained silent as African Americans marched for their civil rights. The church knew right from wrong, but large segments of it joined a conspiracy of silence and took its place on the wrong side of history as it watched the oppressed being beaten and killed so the oppressor could continue to oppress the weak and powerless for profit and status. In our text from Exodus, the Hebrew people who had been welcomed in Egypt by the Joseph heir of Pharaoh a few generations later were enslaved and oppressed. What happened to change welcome to enslavement? The Hebrew people's population had grown and the Egyptians became fearful that these people... These immigrants might become the majority and powerful enough to take control and rule over them. Out of fear, they took away all their rights and they enslaved them. They were no longer welcome as friendly neighbors, but were held in suspicion as a threat to the Egyptian way of life. Doesn't that sound way too familiar? We're not talking about partisan politics here. 
This is an affront to our creator and all of creation. To take this side is to blatantly take the side of evil. Friends, let me confess personally before you. I grew up in a racist South in a world that asserts white supremacy. And as a young person, I was a racist. It was a part of my culture. I was biased against blacks and gays and most anyone or any concepts that were different from what was familiar to me. I was ignorant then. And even though I have improved considerably by the grace of God, I have a long way to go. Baseless biases are hidden deep within my soul. So deep that I'm not even aware of them until I find myself thinking something absolutely outlandish and deplorable that is offensive to another human being. Or I make a decision that exploits the rights and dignity of someone or a group of people whom God has created in God's own image. Well, some of you may have surpassed me in overcoming these character flaws. And some of you may be way behind. We're judged by our fruits. But one thing I am sure of, and that is that we are all, to some degree, guilty as charged. And any degree is too much. It is the product of ignorance, and we all need awakening to the truth. As Christians, we look to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. He is the guidepost. He is the absolute standard for truth. And in him, it is in him that we are made alive. We're made alive. We're made whole. You want peace in the world? Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, says, if you want peace in the world, you have to be peace. You have to be peace. We must become aware of our own feelings and perception because we are our feelings and perceptions. And instead of fighting them, we need to embrace them and, and deal with them with understanding and compassion for ourselves. In so doing, they, we will be transformed so that we can deal with others with understanding and compassion. This takes practice, taking the time to be mindful of ourselves. Then we can treat others with the same kindness that we want for ourselves. After all, in Christ, we are all one one with each other, and one with God. Again, in Hebrew, the word for peace, wholeness, and well-being is shalom. When we're touched by Jesus, we are made whole. We become peace. So when, the world, when will the world be at peace? When each person becomes peace beginning with you and me. Peace, my friends. Amen.